everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're both wives of the Volturi, wondering why the fuck we have to be here right now. We have shows to watch. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's good this week? So I had a one-on-one meeting with my new, uh, basically general manager at the funeral home because the current general manager is leaving. And he's cool. He's 33. So he's not too old that we don't have anything in common. Um, And after we did all the business formalities, you know, we're vibing. He goes, okay, well, now we don't, I don't want to talk about work anymore. What's, let's talk about something, something different. What do you want to know about me? And I literally asked him, are you team Edward or team Jacob? (laughs) He said, I don't know enough about the series to make a judgment either way. And I said, honestly, that's probably for the best. That means he's not toxic like the rest of us. <laughs> he ended up finding out about the podcast, so he's uh, he's excited for me, I guess. <laughs> That's kind of the general reaction I get from people, too. I told my therapist yesterday that we have this podcast, and she was like, oh, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> oh, dot, 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 dot. Like, it would have been better if you said nothing. <laughs> she was, like, generally supportive, but... You could tell she was kind of like, that's an element. That's that's an angle I didn't think that we were going to get from you. <laughs> Honey, we're full of surprises. Exactly. I love. That's the thing is like anytime I can be somewhat mysterious, I love it because otherwise I just never shut the fuck up. I am a classic oversharer. Like I genuinely will like say the absolutely worst thing possible after we just met. I um there's a classic story of my life where I got tendonitis. Um I don't want to say this on the pod. Never mind. <laughs> Graduate. I'm leaving just that part in so that everyone will always wonder. Um, you know, you wanna know what I was thinking about randomly this morning? I, I basically awoke with this thought. What is it? You know how upsetting it would have been to be Taylor Lautner? Like, cause I was thinking about it and I was like, he was already cast in the first movie when Breaking Dawn came out and he found out he had to be in love with a newborn child. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> like, that is enough to cancel a contract, in my opinion. Or at least leverage it into, like, I need $4 billion for the rest of my life, basically. That's true. That's true. Although I do feel like he has kind of ridden that Twilight money into the sunset, because what the fuck do you hear about him ever? And you know what? I stand that. I love it. I, I've i heard that Taylor Lautner and Taylor Lautner are both very happy right now. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> um, recommendations, Corner. What do you got? So my recommendation is my new favorite snack. I mean, it's not new, but my mom got me like a big giant container of them for Christmas because they're expensive. And I have just been crunching, munching them. Cashews. I love a salted cashew. They're buttery. They're tender. They are the superior nut. And I stand by it. Have you tried the everything cashews? Does it have everything bagel seasoning on it? Yes. Shut the front door. You can get them at Costco or Sam's. My mouth is filling with saliva. It sounds so good. It's super good. Me and Jacob can demolish one of those in an afternoon. 
And I mean, cashews, nuts, protein, good for you. Lots of fat, but yes, that too. Okay, here's here's the dealio. Here's the dealio. The reason that we are still alive, we are thriving as homo sapiens, is because of fallback foods like nuts, like ground, um, what are those called? Like tubers, I guess, potatoes, radishes, like that kind of thing. The things that people were like, ah, this isn't going to be a whole meal, but we got to get a, we got to get a little something. We got to get a little something. That's the reason we made it. So, you know what? Eat a whole thing of nuts. That's we are homo sapiens because of cashews. I stand by it. And that's on respecting tubers. Mm-hmm. Root vegetables. That's what I'm that was what I was trying to say. Um, my recommendation is just the song Big Yellow Taxi. We don't talk about that song enough as a society. I found out over the weekend from Jacob's mom, who is a big Joni Mitchell fan, that she did the original. I only know the Counting Crows version that features Vanessa Carlton, which I absolutely love her mm, bop, bop, bop in the background. Just listen to that song. It'll make your day better. I can guarantee it. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Streams go up by like 12 of that song. <laughs> Because of my insane influence. <laughs> you know, I mean, every every listen counts. You're welcome, Counting Crows. You're welcome, Vanessa Carlson. Carlton, get it right. Carlton. I, uh, I've i been on a, a, a binge just today of the song Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. I know. I saw your fucking story. It's so true. It's so good. Yes, it is. And I give up forever to touch you. It's sounded like a demon. It's so good. Um, are we leaving that in? <laughs> Do what feels right. Oh my god. Okay. So this week we have our final two chapter episode. We read chapters 35 and 36 of Breaking Dawn, Deadline, and Bloodlust. What did you think of these chapters, Paige? Deadline, for me, it was like, come on, let's go. Like, it was so close to the moment where, like, the ice breaks, so to speak. Like, it felt like a pin would drop and everything would come come crumbling down, like, there, I feel like a, not a lot, like, really happened, like, plot-wise, but tension-wise, I was so tense waiting for something to happen. And for Bloodlust, Bella is going feral. She is, she is ready to kill. And honestly, I was a little surprised. I was kind of, you know, after our conversation about that word spreads, word travels, and that it was definitely plausible that Arrow could have heard about Renesme. I kind of was under the assumption that he was gonna, I guess, like show his hand a little bit. But to me, it seemed like he genuinely was surprised about like about who she was and the truth about her, basically. And I mean, maybe he's lying, but I was very interested that he was just so receptive and you know now they're deliberating and who knows kind of what 
what's going to happen in the next chapter. So it was kind of a little surprising to me. Again, I think I would be absolutely sick of him if I was in the Volturi. He's too happy. He's too, it's just, it's, it doesn't feel genuine to me. It's a little creepy. Um, Seeing just like the whole Volturi in mass along with their like 20 additional just like random vampires. That is like kind of a terrifying thought. Like, there's probably no animals within like a 70 mile radius because the amount of negative vibes going on in the meadow right now is probably insane. Yeah. Okay. Here's my thing about arrow and word traveling. Um, I wasn't thinking that it was going to get back to him that Renezme is not immortal. I just figured like, what was going to get back to him was that Carlisle was like collecting people for his side, basically. And he doesn't seem surprised about that. That's very fair. I must have misconstrued what you meant by that, because I, I genuinely thought that it was like, he's going to know about Renesmee, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he genuinely enters this confrontation thinking that Irina is right. I mean, because Chaos especially seems like shook to his core. <laughs> Mhm. And I also on the note of Irina, like she saw Renesme with Jacob and Bella, and you can tell that she's also shook, like, oh my god, what have I done? Like that child definitely has grown. Like you can tell just by the way that she speaks and her body language that I think there's some perhaps regret that this this has all come about. And also to to kind of piggyback on what you said about um, about them finding out about Carlisle gathering witnesses. I think the fact that they brought along all those extra people speaks on that because, I mean, they would have been, I think, fine if they hadn't brought all those people. I think they would have had enough, I guess, manpower to, like, in their minds, they I don't think they know about the werewolves. Like, I don't, I really genuinely don't know if they have any idea about them at all, but like, in in their mind, they probably figured we would be fine. But the fact that they brought all these extra people, I think shows that they did maybe know that Carlisle was doing the same thing. Yeah, that was going to be my next point was that that kind of lends itself to that theory too. And I had completely forgotten about that. Like I was as shocked as you were when Bella was like counting them all out and she's like, hmm. Uh, and then 20 more show up and she's like, well, <laughs> well, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Also on the note of Arrow being too happy. I just, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. It bears repeating Michael Sheen, who plays him in the movies. He ate, he is deranged. That man, he was the perfect casting. Is he related to Charlie Sheen? No, the same last name. This is uh, also, I mean, it's not super random, but it is a little random. So I'm now in my listening back. I'm now in Brie Tanner. And um, we are talking about the cover on Brie Tanner. And it made me think about our conversation about the cover for this book, specifically the fact that the queen is in a position that cannot be touched by the pawn. And I remember you asked me about that. And I was like, I don't remember what I said, but I remember like I hadn't really put much thought into it. I just thought it was like a mistake on the part of the 
creators of the cover that you know, oh, you guys didn't plan this out very well because that pawn can't get her. Now I'm like, oh, she's a shield. They can't get her, you know? Wait, say more. You know, like Bella is a shield. Yeah, but like, why, what does that have to do with the pawn? Who do you think is the pawn? I don't know. The, well, the pawn's red, to, which to me kind of indicated like evil vampires or like just like, evilness in general and the fact that the queen can't be touched i always associated the white coloring on the covers to be with bella and also it's a queen and she's like the narrator so to me that queen kind of symbolized bella and the fact that the pawn couldn't get the queen i think might be a reflection of her powers and that she and like she's going to be not only a shield for herself but also other people to around her yeah sorry i'm on my dumb bitch shit (laughs) i totally understand what you're saying now it's so funny too because it was about to be really cool because i was about to say we're on the same wavelength today because that was my next point was that i was gonna say that bella's on her queen shit in both of these chapters and then i realized there was like a double meaning to that so anyway we share a brain with a total of seven brain cells I have four pages three. <laughs> Take that, bitch. <laughs> Sometimes I borrow the fourth brain cell if I have to do, like, taxes. <laughs> Sometimes we give it to Malcolm. <laughs> he he wastes it, honestly. <laughs> he really does. Okay, let's hop into this plot. Okay, so chapter 35 opens with Bella leaving presumably a week later from where we left off. Because that's when she was going to meet Jay Jenks to get the documents that she ordered. And my just summary note for this whole thing is I love putting on a hot outfit and just feeling like a queen. And that is what Bella is doing here. She was not she knew what she was up to. She put on like a hot salmon cocktail dress and then what what'd you say, like a cashmere or no ivory trench coat. I'm like, she is serving Yes, ma'am. There is no better feeling than going to a location and knowing slash feeling that you're going to be slash are the hottest person there. It's the best. Here's my secret to life. Once you start feeling like that in general, you become that. (laughs) Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I, you know, now that I've started to wear clothes that I just like. I'm not I'm not dressing for anyone but myself. You know, like I'm wearing the clothes that I like and I'm the most comfortable in. I'm like, I have never been hotter. I love it. That's so true. I thought of something random to say that that was another thing that I wanted to bring up um, before we started. But I was scrolling through Instagram and a, uh, a reel, I guess, started playing and I, I stuck around. I did not recognize the actress in it, so I didn't realize it was Twilight themed. But it was a gal with like bangs and really straight hair, and she's like staring really aggressively forward. And then it switches to Edward, and he's like looking up in the sky, like in wonderment. And I was like, oh, I bet this is Zephrina, like making him see things. And I'm like, why did they? I know it's not really her. But that actress looks just like Tyra Banks. So I could not see anything but Tyra Banks now, like in the book as Zafrina, and I'm loving it. That is so true. I never thought of it. Like, I never put the pieces together, but you're absolutely right. She does look like her. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, she's got the bone structure and the forehead. As Tyra herself would say, the five head. <laughs> anyway, so you can go back to the actual content now. Okay. Um, okay, so, yeah, it's pretty simple. Bella drives to the restaurant that she agreed to meet Jay Jinks at. And the gist of the... There's basically two gists of the conversation between him. I... I, I wrote, not Jay talking shit on Jasper. I'm like, if you're so afraid of him, then why are you talking shit, bro? Because he's like, um, he calls him unsettling. I mean, he kind of nailed it. He did, but also it's so funny to think that like Jasper could have like put this man at ease. And instead he was like, make made him feel really uncomfortable. Kind of feels like Jasper's vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I did want to point out a line. It's almost like you would miss it if you weren't paying attention, but this is on page 669. Basically, he's trying to figure out who Bella is, and he says, you would be Mr. Edward's bride then. She says yes. He smiled apologetically. I've seen all the names many times, you see. My belated congratulations. It's nice that Mr. Edward has found us such a lovely partner after all this time. I'm like, after all this time? That by itself is unsettling because he he knows that tea. I like I'm wondering how many of the Cullens he's actually seen because, you know, looking back on the Quillute stories, when Jacob was talking about. Like how I think his grandfather said that the Cullens had never changed and that was very unsettling to them. I wonder if he if if Jay Jenks has seen the same thing, like how many of them has he seen and for what period of time? Because that would be truly unsettling. Yeah, I feel like he's probably I feel like there's good reason to believe that he's seen photographs of all of them if they were getting fake IDs. You know, fair enough. Fair enough. And I mean, we know that Edward has is, you know, of the family, the oldest one there. Um, And Edward has been a vampire for like 117 years. So there he there's quite a bit of time that Jay Jinx could be around that he's known Edward for, you know, like I'm guessing that this guy is probably in his 50s if I had to just peg it. So like. Let's just say hypothetically he's been doing this all of his business life. That's like 30 years of not seeing any kind of physical change in someone. That's crazy. Well, he does say that on page 668. He says, I've been working with Mr. Jasper for more than 20 years, and my old partner knew him for 15 years before that. Not great. And I wish that I could witness the conversation between him and his old partner when the old partner like went to retire and he was like, listen, this this one will make you good money, but it will also keep you up at night. I like to think that maybe there's this like support group of people who have been personally affected by the Cullens, like the gal from Midnight Sun when they're driving the car and they leave her on the median, her. um. The I'm obviously Jay Jenks. I'm trying to think of other people who have just been in the uh uh not waitress but the um hostess at Bella Italian or La Bella whatever Bella Vita whatever it's called 
um, her because you know the Edward was beautiful and didn't pay attention to her. I think I think there's a, a a good enough following of people that they could have a serious support group to talk about the issues that the Cullens have caused. I completely agree. I even would add people that like sat next to Edward as he like literally broke school desks in anger. Tyler Crowley after Edward sat on his fucking bed in the hospital while he had glass in his arm. (laughs) That was savage. (laughs) Okay, so the other gist of this conversation with Jay Jenks is we find out what he was worried about. He asks Bella if she's kidnapping their daughter, her and Edward's daughter, like, and running away with her. Go ahead and say what you think, and then I will say what I think. I just, it's silly to me because I know the truth. How is this man, like, okay? If, like, I'm sure these are the type of people he does business with all the time, you know? Like, how are you emotionally okay with this? That's my thing, is, is, like, you can't have a conscience if you're going to be in this line of work. Like, why does he suddenly care about this group? He's He tries to, there's, like, a weak line of, like, I respect the Cullens. And it's like, you should probably respect everyone that you're doing business with. Or not necessarily respect, but at least like take seriously. Of all the times to use a conscience, this? You picked this one? Like, it's just like, I bet tons, not tons, but there's got to be at least one or two clients of his that have kidnapped their children. I'm sure. Like, there are so many crimes out there. That, that I'm sure this man has put his little fingies in. Like, grow up. <laughs> that was hilarious. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so Bella assures him that that's not the situation, that she's just basically setting up, like, a backup plan for her daughter if her and Edward were to meet their demise. And then she... Hits the road, doesn't even have dinner. I like to I like to think that he like stayed and ordered shrimp in his weird private room. Might as well. If I had the money in a private room to order like a fancy meal for myself, I'm gonna fucking do it. Absolutely. Four courses, baby. This man has like probably like fifteen thousand cash on him right now because of Bella. So like get the cheesecake, Jay Jenks. Do it. You earned it. Amen. <laughs> So Bella drives back to the Cullen house and she has the house to herself. Everyone's off doing other stuff. So she takes advantage of that by basically like making a little survival pack for Renesmee and Jacob. She puts, she steals a bunch of cash from Alice and Jasper and puts it in there. Um, She puts obviously the fake documents and then she does this thing where she tries to be very deliberate about like putting a note that says Rio de Janeiro in the bag because that way it will direct Jacob where to go. And then she's hoping that Alice will see a vision of her doing that so that they can meet up. I mean, I thought it was kind of like, I guess it's smart. You have to hope that Alice is tuning in at that moment, you know, but it's a little thing she could just try, you know, it's not going to hurt anyone to try. Totally. Yeah. And that way at least, like, I feel like she probably wouldn't have thought of it if she wasn't thinking about Alice, but now that way at least Jacob and Renesmee would be like, yeah, that's where we should go to, like, figure out 
what the dealio is with her. Yeah, absolutely. Malcolm is on my lap. I want everyone to know when he's purring. I can hear him. That's so cute. He's not, he doesn't purr very often, so it always feels like a treat. Little baby. (laughs) Okay, so the remainder of this chapter is, as Paige said, honestly just waiting. They go to the clearing and they set up and... I do got to say I was dead at the part where she was like, here we are camping with Jacob again. But this time it's a love square because he's in love with my daughter. I, how, how old is, is, is it another CGI baby in the, in the Breaking Dawn part two? Like how old is Renesmee in this, in the movie? Like, what does she look like? The actress who plays her, if I had to guess an age, I would say eight. Oh, okay. I was picturing a baby. I don't, still. Yeah, because that would be the normal thing. Is it the normal thing? I don't. (laughs) Either way, I mean, it's bad no matter where you look. My point was just like, she should not be eight. (laughs) Very bizarre. Like, like thinking of that timeline of how fast how rapidly you'd have to age to get from when you were born which was in September to now in January maybe end of December oh they say it's New Year's Eve right yeah so four months you turn into an eight-year-old that's insane (sighs) I know we talk about the science of it all the time, but, like, I feel like your bones can't do that. I know it's supernatural, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things that shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that in this book. (laughs) Okay, so, finally, the day comes, because the snow sticks to the ground, and that's how they know that today's the day. So, Bella gives Renesmee the backpack, but she doesn't ask about it, because she's an eight-year-old and very smart. <laughs> um, and then she tells, Bella tells Renesmee, don't tell Jacob until I tell you to run. So then they basically set up their little, I don't even know what to call it, team, I guess. And they await the Volturi. Yeah. You got anything I skipped over? I just like the feeling this would be just so frightening just because they're I feel like Edward and Bella are both in the mindset right now that they're literally about to die. Um, Just like waiting and watching for your own death to appear. So scary. Yeah, it really is. I also can't believe they didn't bone before this. I feel like it would have been too weird with Jacob right there. Well, not in the clearing, but, like, the night before, you know? Oh. (laughs) Well, they've been staying there for, like, three nights, haven't they? Oh, yeah, I guess guess so, yeah. I'm sure they boned before they went. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they did. There's no doubt in my mind. Stephanie had mercy on us and didn't mention it this time. Thank God. Look at his little face. I'm obsessed with him. I'm sure you said you had one brain cell. 
Okay, so chapter 36 is really the beginning of the Volturi scenes TM. So as we already talked about, they roll up. Bella is already kind of thinking that, okay, her exact quote, we didn't have a prayer. Um, oh, wait, no, that's after the people show up. That yep. literally was me, though, at the beginning of the, the physics finals that I had junior year of high school. Like, I have nary a prayer for passing this. The only reason I passed was because I cheated. We've talked about this before, and it makes me so uncomfy every time. <sighs> I had to do what I had to do. Fair enough. What I was going to say is that Bella is already not feeling great about their their odds, basically, because she says there were just 19 of us who would fight, even counting the 10 wolves they had us, because when the Volturi first show up, there's 32 of them. And then the angry mob shows up. I'm just going to read a little passage here. Page 681. The faces in the seemingly endless influx of vampires were the antithesis to the Volturi's expressionless dis discipline. They wore a kaleidoscope of emotions. At first, there was the shock and even some anxiety as they saw the unexpected force awaiting them. But that concern passed quickly. They were secure in their overwhelming numbers, secure in their position behind the unstoppable Volturi force. Their features returned to the expression they'd worn before we'd surprised them. It was easy enough to understand their mindset. The faces were that explicit. This was an angry mob whipped to a frenzy and slavering for justice. I did not fully realize the vampire world's feeling toward the immortal children before I read these faces. I just, these fucking assholes. You don't even know what's going on. I know they think they know what's going on. But I'm like, it just feels cowardly to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very much like the big bosses are here and you gotta like save face basically so may maybe they are a, a little upset like oh man that's not cool for them to do that but because the Volturi are there like kind of holding a gun to their head saying like hey there's an issue why don't why don't you come along and back us up on this like of course they're gonna get like a huge crowd of people coming like, what's what's the alternative? They probably, like, are afraid of being killed. That makes me feel bad for calling them assholes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like you said, I think it is cowardly. Because, I mean, they have no idea. They're just going off this blind faith that the Volturi are telling the truth. Which, I mean, I guess if you don't have any reason to doubt them, why would you? But, like... I don't know. I feel very like hesitant to. I think if I were a vampire, I don't know if I'd trust the Volturi. You know. Totally. And that's a great segue into the next point that I was going to make. Um, because right when they show up, Edward is obviously reading all of their minds, and it turns out basically everything that they had talked about with Eleazar and others was correct. He says, "Chaos and Arrow come to destroy and acquire." They have many layers of strategy already in place. If Irina's accusation had somehow proven to be false, they were committed to find another reason to take offense. But they can see Renesmee now, so they are perfectly sanguine about their course. We could still attempt to defend against their other contrived charges, but first they have to stop to hear the truth about Renesmee, which they have no intention of doing. Which they do end up doing, but... 
Sounds like it's not really going to make a difference? Question mark? Question mark? Yeah, I just don't see this not ending in some kind of brawl. Like, like I don't know. I feel like if if things didn't end with something kind of like big, like imagine imagine this book is just like Arrow comes back and he's like, "Well, you guys are free to go. Have fun." I feel like the readers would be very disappointed. I don't know. I just like we're building to something, you know, and I'm expecting there to be some kind of clash a physical battle like like there can't be all this training and introducing all of these formidable strong allies for there to be absolutely nothing to come you know like there has to be something coming i can't comment but i see where you're coming from um Basically, when this all happens and these other random vampires show up, Bella gets really fucking pissed. And, yeah, not and, that's it. (laughs) This is what we in the business call beast mode. (laughs) She, yeah, I feel like she's, like, towing the line for beast mode right now. But then when she makes eye contact with Jane, isn't it? That's when she really goes into beast mode. Oh, yeah. Just an overall comment on the setting in general i i literally know that it's not like this because they can hear from like miles and miles away but i choose for my own entertainment to picture them because she keeps saying they're 100 yards 100 yards 100 yards i just picture them these two camps at each end of a football field screaming at each other (laughs) i mean i Arrow is just too, his hair is too long and flowing. His eyes are just too milky white to not show off his beautiful features to everyone there. He's got to be right up in their faces. Ew. (laughs) His onion skin. Mm. Okay. So there's kind of like this weird pause, which is so relatable. And then Carlisle decides to step forward and talk. So... Basically, Carlisle's whole thing is he's trying to get Arrow to listen to them and hear that they have not broken the law and they haven't commit or created an immortal child. Um, and so then listening to this, Chaos gets real mad and he has Irina come forward. And then this is kind of what Paige was referencing earlier when Chaos says, is that the child that you saw? And Irina says, I'm not sure. She's not, she's not the same, but I think it's the same child. What I mean is she's changed. This child is bigger than the one I saw, but, and then doesn't he slap her? Yes. I think it's before this. Yes, it is before that, but it's so jarring. Like when adults slap each other, especially when it's a man slapping a woman, that is fucked up. Well, Bella also commented when it happened that like, I, Sure, she didn't feel anything, you know, like, she has stone skin, like, it didn't hurt her, which means that it was done not to cause injury, it was done to belittle and make a point. Yeah, and I feel like it definitely achieved that. Yeah, it was gross. Okay, so then Arrow decides that he wants to talk to the instigators in question. (laughs) He says, I would rather have the explanation from someone more central to the story. Am I wrong to assume that this breach was not of your making? He's talking to Carlisle. There was no breach, Carlisle said. 
Be that as it may, I will have every facet of the truth. And the best way to get that is to have the evidence directly from your talented son. So Edward starts walking forward. And this is when Bella goes into full beast mode because this is when she looks at Jane and Jane kind of like smiles. And Bella's like, "Uh uh-uh, honey. And her shield, like, she basically figures out immediately how to work her shield. It's very, almost like, I don't, I haven't watched much anime, but it felt a little anime to me. Oh, yeah. Bella's senpai, that's for sure. I don't know what that means, but okay. It's good. (laughs) Okay. So she also is, like, able to understand, you know, how she can work it, how she can move it to do what she wants it to do. Um, She basically says that she was holding herself back before, so now she understands how to not do that. Good for her. So then follows the most awkward thing of all time, which is where Edward and Anna are just holding hands in the middle of a fucking football field, not saying anything. And there's literally like 40 people just staring at them. I'm picturing they're holding both hands and swaying side to side, like as if there's a song playing. You know, the funny thing is, that would be very out of character for Edward, but kind of not out of character for Arrow. I stand by that 100%. Arrow reminds me a lot of this character from Skyrim who's very eccentric. His name is Cicero. Skyrim girlies will know. Um, Very eccentric. I'll leave it at that. And sometimes Arrow does things where I'm like, the tone of your voice, I think, would match... The just jovial screechy screechiness of Cicero's voice. He definitely has a screechiness vibe for sure. Yeah. Okay, so when this finally ends, which also can we talk about how we never knew who this is off subject, but we never knew who Renata was until this moment, and now she's like everywhere. She's like very stressed about everything that Arrow does. I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. I am surprised that she wasn't mentioned in New Moon at all. You know, like when Bella goes to the Volturi, like she should be there, you know? And I think Bella says something like, I'm sure she was. I just didn't like make a note of it. But with how prevalent she is now, you'd think she would have been more prevalent in New Moon. Yeah, I honestly feel like, and I have complimented Stephanie's world building and character development or like character writing multiple times. Let me just remind you. I really don't think she thought of it until this book. I agree. It makes me think of when she just threw in that vampire venom kills werewolves in this book. Like, you didn't think to bring that up in the past? What? She wilded, for real. She had that that Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse money. She's like, I can do what I want with this pen right now. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Ugh. Okay, so then when this conversation between Arrow and Edward finally ends, Arrow asks to meet Renesmee. So Bella comes forward with her, also bringing Emmett and Jacob. So when they reach the middle of the field where this little meeting is happening, Arrow greets Renesmee, and then she talks back to him. And instead of allowing him to grab her hand, which I think it would have the same effect, wouldn't it? Because isn't it Eros touching? Yeah, I think so. Their powers are truly like the inverse of each other, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I feel like Renesmee's powers are very infinite in a way. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's almost like all encapsulating. And I feel the same way about arrows as well. Yeah, that's a great word to use. Anyways, she takes the initiative to touch Arrow to show her, to show Arrow, like, all her memories. As we've talked about before, she probably pictures her own bird. (laughs) I'm picturing Arrow seeing Bella's, like, decrepit body and face, just like, ooh, oh no. No wonder he says, like, immortality suits you. She's like, you look better than you did in that. She does make a comment a little earlier on where she's, like, very angry that Arrow just knows, like, all the intimate moments that she's had in her life. And that really hit me because I was like, he knows that about everyone he's ever touched. And that is too much power for one person. I do not want him to know all of the thoughts I've ever had. There's some bad ones in there. (laughs) I was scrolling through our episodes this morning to make sure that they posted the new one posted on Spotify. And I scrolled by one that we had named, Arrow Would Not Want to Touch Me. And I know that you said that. I stand by it, clearly. (laughs) Okay. There's a very brief, very strange, very racist moment, conversation about the wolves. Basically, Arrow's like, hmm, I wonder if we could enlist them to be guard, quote, guard dogs, as if they're not also human beings. I do love that the pack immediately shuts that shit down by growling ferociously. Do you think that he is aware that they're people or? Anything that Edward knows, he knows. So there was something you said earlier where he was like, where you were like, I don't know if he knows about the wolves. That's what you were saying. While you were talking, I kind of thought back and I was like, well, he would know about them from before because remember we find out that they're back in new moon while Edward's gone. So he doesn't know that they're back, but he would have thought about them when they were in town the last time. So Arrow did know that they existed. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think it's easy to forget like how like literally encompassing that is like anything you do ever, he's going to know about it. I don't like it. It's too much power. For an onion, especially. For an onion. And I talk very highly of onions, you should know. (laughs) You do. Okay. So that little moment with the wolves happens. And then the last paragraph of the chapter. It's kind of a little bit cliffhangery. So much to discuss, Arrow said, his tone suddenly that of an inundated businessman. So much to decide. If you and your furry protector will excuse me, my dear Collins, I must confer with my brothers. One last comment that I had. I'm like, I love how literally Marcus does not give a shit. Can't be bothered. I almost think, and maybe I had read this somewhere, and so it's just my subconscious reminding me, but he's the one I think that doesn't have a wife, I think. I'm going to have to fact check this on myself, but I feel like if that is true, then he probably just has lost the will to live, you know? Yeah, he's with the Volturi, which I bet is very boring. They literally sit there all day, as we have discussed. And I bet Arrow's like, do you guys want to play Monopoly? And everyone's like, no, uh, not with you. Like, at least watch TV or something. Why do you sit in that weird sewer? 
They can't get electricity that far down. I feel like if I was a Volturi, I would just watch... I feel like I would watch all the TikToks to have ever existed, because you definitely could. You get that message that's like, hold on, you've been scrolling way too long, like 18 times throughout the day. I've never gotten that. That exists. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have anything? Oh, wait, I did miss one other thing that I wanted. It's very small. But on page 699, which is the second to last page of the chapter... Arrow says, of course, I have no desire to harm your loved ones, precious Renesme. And from the back row, Maggie is pissed. I'm like, Maggie's spilling tea because she recognizes that that was a lie. And I just love that she was like, you know what? I'm a chip in. <laughs> I mean, it it tells the reader, it kind of shows the Volturi's hand a little bit in that, that like, they are prepared for the worst of the worst. Like, just so you know, they are ready to hurt you, even if there's nothing to hurt you for. Right. Exactly. Well, on that note, do you want to talk about your predictions? Is there anything I skipped? I have just have one final thing to say. So on page 685, like kind of towards the bottom, right when the conversation starts, um, there's a paragraph that reads, it's Arrow speaking. I'm sorry, it's Carlisle speaking to Arrow. He spread his arms, holding his palms up as if in greeting. Arrow, my old friend, it's been centuries. I kind of hadn't realized, like, when you think about it, all the times we've seen the Volturi, or I guess Arrow, Carlisle hasn't been there. So, like, I always, you know, associated the two together because they do have a relationship. But it has been centuries. And that's kind of, like, crazy to think that, like, this is their reunion. Be prepared for murder, basically. Yeah, that's very ironic. Like, just the way, that's the way you're supposed to treat old comrades, right? Killing them? Sure. For no reason, yeah. Yeah. Um, Related but separate, I'm going to start saying that to you anytime I see you in person. It's been centuries. <laughs> but you have to do it like, like this. Paige has her palms open very awkwardly. Kind of looks like her limbs are broken. Anyways, next week we're reading chapter 37, which has the weirdest title yet, if you ask me. Contrivances. Do you know what that word means? No. <laughs> okay. I'm going to I'm going to read the definition to you. So, obviously it comes from contrive. So, our friends at Merriam-Webster say that it is an artificial arrangement or development. What are your predictions? Well, to me, it sounds like something fake is a brewing. Something, perhaps something, some things will be said, but they're either lies or they're not entirely truths. Like, perhaps, perhaps Arrow says, like, yeah, everything's fine. Sure, you guys are good to go, but Maggie knows it's a lie, or Edward can read his mind and, like, know that he's thinking about like really like kidnapping Renette's May or something like that. Like, I don't know. The Volturi just seems slimy to me. So I could totally see them formulating some kind of plan that isn't truthful in intentions. But I also don't know how that will like get through, you know, because Edward can read minds and Maggie knows if it's truth or lie, you know, like if they plan something, they're going to immediately know it's not truthful. So I'll be interested to see how that goes about 
Yeah, and it is a little bit interesting to me, just thinking about this, literally thinking out loud, because as I said, I had forgotten about the extras that came along. Like, sort of, how are you going to maintain your image to these randos that are on your side if you start doing some shady shit? I don't know. Yeah, one of the predictions I made many episodes ago was that perhaps Renesmee is so valuable to them that they're willing to kind of, like, reestablish what the rules are, so to speak, and, like, Maybe they'll be like, yeah, well, this is the way we want things. What are you going to do about it, basically? I could see them doing that. I guess we will see. Um, Thanks for being here and thanks for listening with us, y'all. Yes, thank you so much for joining. This is our 100th episode, by the way. Wait, oh my God, it totally is. Happy Centurion. Happy, happy, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I don't know. I don't know either, but I just got to toot our horns for a second here. Like, it's actually really impressive that we put 100 episodes of a thing out into the world. So proud of you. And for the people who are who've stuck around, you guys are you guys are so silly. We love you. Silly, goofy, silly gooses. (laughs) The silly goose police called and you're all under arrest. Honk, honk, honk. (laughs) Give them the socials. So if you'd like to message us on our various social medias, you can contact us on Instagram and on Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. You can contact us on Twitter at Taft Pod. You can send us a long form email at Tuesdays Are for Twilight at gmail.com. Um, we don't have any LinkedIn's, so you can't contact us there. Um, I was listening to a past episode and you mentioned that we have a Reddit. If you want to contact us on Reddit, I don't know what that one is. So good luck. <laughs> we don't have a Reddit. I have a I have a Reddit that the username is Tuesdays are for Twilight, but I just literally use it to comment on fitness subs. <laughs> That's what you said in the last episode. So it, you clearly stand by it. <laughs> if anyone else is into fitness, I guess look me up. Tuesdays are for Twilight. Um. On a social media note, congratulations to ads. I get notifications on Duolingo that you're doing great. Good job. If you'd like to contact us on Duolingo, you can't because I'm I'm boycotting it. They updated it and it sucks. I don't like it anymore. Anyways, if you'd like to donate to our Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And as always, it's a great cause. It will get you into Patreon events. Um, if it so bequeaths you, we could check out the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground, save their awesome, amazing culture and their awesome and amazing land as well. You can find out more and donate at www.mthg.org. Thank you, Paige. Beautifully done as always. It's our 100th episode, not to put pressure on you, but what's the unhinged thing you're going to say today? Stars sparkling in the sky. The moon shines a beam down, illuminating you in a in a a beam while you walk down the street. Absorb the moonlight. Take her in as she takes you in. Become an astral radiant gem. Shine forth.
don't be afraid to lose your sparkle. Actually, you should be afraid to lose your sparkle. Don't lose your sparkle. Take that sparkle and sparkle forth. I have so many things to say. Anytime you start with stars, I'm like, here we fucking go. I feel like you've given that speech, a version of that speech, like at least four times. Also, towards the end, it was giving a person who's writing, it has to be like a 200 word essay and you're only at 100. So you just keep saying the same shit. That is literally how I pass fifth grade. <laughs> just, uh, what is it? what is it called? Where you just say the things that are, you're thinking, a conscious stream, is that it? Stream of consciousness. That. That's that. I As soon as you said it's the 100th episode, I was like, oh my god, I don't have anything prepared. <laughs> what words do you know? <laughs> I mean, it was motivational, I'll give you that. I um I bought some Pokemon cards today from a pack called Astral Radiance, so I think that helped uh, uh, guide my path. You are a true artiste. You draw inspiration from everything around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um professional. Got a liberal arts uh, degree, so. <laughs> Thanks for 100 episodes of fun, y'all. We'll see y'all next time for Chapter 37 of Breaking Dawn. Bye. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>